0: Good. I'm Stacy Ratliff, if you don't know who I am. Um, lead the team here. And uh, we're right in a series called Legal Love. And this is week three of Legal Love. There's kind of two paths that we can usually follow. Um, one of them is a path that I don't really uh, recommend. But a lot of churches are a lot of... Uh, um, basically, it's following the path of religion. You know, it's a list of do's and don'ts. It's looking at the Bible and going, what do I have to do to earn God's love? What do I have to do to be good enough to make it to heaven? What do I have to do to, um, you know, to stay on the, on, in God's grace? And that's religion. That is stuff that man has made up. That is stuff that man has looked at the Bible and, and looked at, let's say, the Ten Commandments and said, this is a list of rules and don'ts that we have to follow to be able to please God. And again one of these days maybe I'll preach on it it came from Robert Morris um, of Gateway Church but he preached a series that the Ten Commandments are all about relationship they're not about do's and don'ts they were given to the Israelites after he brought them out of Egypt if it was a list of things that you had to do to get in his grace he would have given it before when they were still in slavery it would have been hey okay here take these rules get your life straightened out and then I'll bring you out of Egypt and he didn't, it was after 430 years of slavery, they knew nothing about relationship. They knew nothing about, all they knew was uh, like, so you know, thou shalt not have any other gods before you. Well, they were in, they were slaves in a country for 430 years that that was all about gods. They had multiple gods, they had gods for everything. You know, so those were things of like, I want to have a relationship with you. And so that's why the Ten Commandments. So Ten Commandments aren't a list of rules, and, rules of do's and don'ts. They're all about relationship. And so I think that we, we have to realize that that grace, Nora's favorite five-letter word, grace covers everything. So as we start to strive, when you find out, you're, you, know, you think in your mind, and we all go through this. We all get in a, in a point, at least I do, get in a point well, oh, am I being good enough? Am I, you know... Am i do, you know you'll you'll mess up and then you're like oh i got to get back on god's great no god's grace covers all yeah. we don't have to strive for his love so the bible's not about religion it's not about list of rules and r- rules do's and don'ts it's about relationship god wants to have a relationship with us and that relationship is love so legal love is was the the title so part of that is love um the Bible is a love story. It's a love story where you're the main character. You're being pursued. It's that Hallmark Channel movie. And you're, and you're, the, you're the one that's being pursued. Um, and God's pursuing you every day. He did it from the very beginning. He created Adam and Eve, put them in a garden and gave them dominion over the earth. And that was a sign of love. He wanted to create man in his own image. He wanted to be able to commune with man. He wanted to have relationship. That's where that started, his relationship with with Adam and Eve. He didn't put them in the garden and say, Good luck, you know, uh, wait till you die, and I'll see you in heaven. He walked with them daily, and he gave them dominion. He gave them the, the tools that they needed. Now, unfortunately, they sinned and gave that dominion to Satan. And so then we dealt with a lot of years, and we still deal with sin and death in the earth today. The good thing is, is he sent Jesus, to die on the cross, to have covenant with us. That took that dominion back from Satan. So, dominion, so the, Satan doesn't really have any dominion except what we give him. Unfortunately, we give him dominion in our lives, whether it's bad thinking, we go back to bad religion, that law, trying to pursue that law. Um, we give him the dominion in, in our lives. And so, um, but he doesn't legally have that. He does not legally have that dominion he also gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us. That's what the Holy Spirit, when, when he said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you for power. And he didn't, if you look at it, Jesus didn't do any miracles until he had the Holy Spirit come upon him when he was baptized by John the Baptist in water. And then the Holy Spirit came down. After that's when he started doing miracles. He didn't do anything before the Holy Spirit. So, the book is a love, our Bible is a love story, and it's also a legal book. And it's a legal book of who we are in God, who God is, and who we are in God, and what, legal, what we have a legal right to. So who are we? We can just, we can go back to kind of our text as 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. So I think a perfect example of that special special possession is what happened, the craziness on Friday and Saturday. Did anybody take part of that craziness Friday and Saturday? Yes, they did. So God's like that. He's going into those garage sales and those tables full of what we think's junk, you know, and he's looking at us and he's going, no, I want you as that special possession. You know, you get, your, you get your money out and it's that find, you know. And what was one person's junk, you're like so super excited about it. Uh, Jamie got us a few trees over here. And, and Russ was commenting this morning that they kind of need to be spruced up. They got the same thing going on that we got on. Kind of get thinner <laughs> as it goes to the top. So, um, but, uh, but you are his special possession. You are what the world calls junk. We're all broken. We all have things in our lives. Other people look at us and go, you're not going to become anything, you know? I mean, I'm not a great speaker. I mean, there's no, there's no Olympians in here. We don't have, you know, what kind of greatness, if you think about it from the world's perspective, what's here? You know, we've got some awesome ropers, you know, but, but uh, uh, admittedly, sometimes that goes bad, right? You know, so, but that's the world standards. By God's standards, we are his special possession. So again, I gave you that 30-day challenge. I don't know if anybody's done it, to put that on your mirror or your refrigerator so you see it every day and change that to say, I am chosen by God. I am a royal priest. I am holy. I am God's special possession that I may declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into this wonderful light. He calls us friends. That's pretty cool. John 15, 15 says that Jesus no longer calls me a slave, but instead he calls me friend and a friend knows the father's business. A friend knows the father's business. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Because as a slave, we don't know the master's business. If we're a slave, all we're doing is our job. You know, if you go to work at, at a, for, if you're employed by an employer, a lot of times you don't know everything that's going on with that employer. You're just doing your job. You're doing your one job and that's it. If you own the company, John, Cynthia, you guys own your own company. You know everything that happens in that company. You know the father's business. You're looking at the finances. You're looking at the everything, the ins and outs. Rush, you're looking at the ins and outs. You know, every board, you know the cost of every little part of your job. And so you know you're no longer a slave You are a friend of God, and you know the Father's business. So we know what's the Father. We have the ability to know what the Father, the big picture of the Father. We can ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to share with? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to lift heads? Who do you want me to encourage today? Because we know the Father's business. We're not just doing our one little job. He also calls us a son and daughter. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be your father. And you will be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty you are an heir to the kingdom if you're a son and daughter you're an heir to the kingdom what does it mean to be an heir to the kingdom so do your kids ever you know come to the breakfast table in the morning and say you know dad how much is a biscuit going to be this morning you know can i buy a little gravy this morning how about an egg if mom fixed me an egg is gonna no they say pass the biscuits dad pass the gravy You know, where's the cereal? You know, and if it's not the right cereal, it's like, why didn't you buy me the right cereal? You know? You know, they're kind of a little ungrateful at times, aren't they? (laughs) You know? Now we shouldn't be ungrateful, you know, to the Lord, but that's who we are. We don't have to beg the Father, oh Lord, please just, just give me my little morsel of bread for today. Please just help me. We don't have to do that. We're heirs to the kingdom. We are a son and daughter of the living God. And we can say, Father, we need something today we need we've got a bill due we've got a we've got um we've got things to do we've we you know i heard about a missionary last week and i really want to give to them can you bring me that money to get so i can be a blessing to somebody else? my neighbor down the street needs to be blessed you know i need to take some time to help somebody do something i need that time can you help me help me work that out and he can do that The Bible's a legal document that God gave us. We can use it to stand against Satan. Satan starts whispering in our ear like, oh, you're good for nothing. Nope, nope, I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. No, no, you know, oh, well, you messed up last week. Oh, you messed up. No, I'm a friend of God. And I know I might have messed up a little bit, but I am covered by grace. I'm covered by the grace of God. So you can't say that to me, Satan. The promises in the book in the Bible are yours. Let's look at the legality of provision in our lives. 2 Corinthians 9:8. We talk about it all the time. It's on it's back here as well. It says, My God is able to bless me abundantly. This is kind of my version. I put me in it. My God is able to bless me, bless me abundantly, so that on all things, at all times, having all that I need, I can give the overflow to others and be a blessing that's why god wants us to be prosperous i know a lot of times in the church people oh you can't talk about money in the church and all the church wants to do is your money you know all they want is your money well no you know what god wants us prosperous but why because we can be a blessing to others yeah. we can be a blessing to others ephesians three twenty says that god is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us bad religion tells us that it's more holy to be poor says the money the, the the money is the root of all evil no that verse says that the love of money is the root of all evil so again if that's all i want is money and i'm trying to hoard stuff and i'm buying bigger houses and i'm you know it's all about me you know now i've allowed money to be a god in front of me okay but if i realize that everything i have comes from god and that he can continue to provide. If I can just believe in my heart that he will continue to provide. When he says give, I can give with no reservations because he he knows it's gonna come back. You know, he's he's gonna bring it back. Money is influence. It is in this world. Now you can use it bad. You can use money as bad influence or you can use money as good influence. We can affect the people around us by giving, by being generous. God has a mission for each of us and we need money to accomplish that. God has something big for each of you. It doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you do, but God has something for you, but it takes money to do it. Um, we had a, a couple that joined us about a month ago um, one time and they're missionaries and they're looking forward to going to South Africa and um, they're believing God for that provision, but so far they haven't They haven't been able to get it you know and again that's just an example of you gotta have money if god says go you gotta have money to go so everybody has heard that the deal that it's harder when god when jesus said that it's harder for a rich man to go through an eye eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven yeah than, 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 that's right right sorry thank you so it's it's easier for a rich it's easier it's harder for a rich man to go to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle okay well everybody's used that of like okay i gotta be careful i can't be rich all right but that's that's false what he's talking about is the eye it, if you read it it says the eye of the needle eye of the needle is actually a gate going into damascus and it's a side gate that was very, very small. And that if you were gonna take a packed, loaded camel through that, you were gonna to have to stop the camel train and you were gonna to have to unload all the baggage to get the camel through the gate, okay? It has nothing to do with the fact that a rich man can't go to heaven. It has to do with you're not gonna take it with you. So give it away, you know? You're not gonna be able to, you're gonna to have to download it. You're gonna to have to stop the wagon train and you're gonna to have to download the money because you're not going into heaven as a rich man. So it, it they've, Religion has taken things like that and has twisted it and made us believe that it's more holy to be poor, that we shouldn't have money, that we shouldn't believe God can provide for us. But I'm here to say that we should. We should be asking God for provision. Again, keeping in mind, what's it for? To be able to give in every good work. So you're not getting into heavy heaven as... Uh, as a rich person. I mean, we're not going to get up there and there's not going to be these uh, societal uh, uh, levels that we have here. Um, you're all going, I mean, we've, we've heard the jokes, you know, of, of the big houses. and, and uh, But, you know, God's house is the biggest and the Pittsburgh Steelers flag is flying over it. We all know that. And so... <laughs> uh, all right. Galatians 3.29 proves that our legal covenant with Jesus makes us an heir to the kingdom. It says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. His promises belong to you. So what are those promises? If you look at Deuteronomy 28, 2 through 7, it actually goes through 14, but it kind of repeats the first ones. But verse 2 says, all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Pay attention to the voice of the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the cities, in the fields. This is my. So I kind of. They use a little bit different terminology, but I kind of put it in our in our day. Your kids your, will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed. Your animals, their their animals their their kids, their piglets, the calves, colts. Your entire flock will be blessed. Your refrigerators and your pantries will be full, and you'll be blessed whether you're coming or going. That's pretty clear that God will be will will be full in, I'm sorry. It's pretty clear that God wants us to walk in those blessings. Cuz it says that we're a true heir of Abraham and those promises of the Lord will be ours. So bad religion again always says that we're supposed to it's more holy to be poor. And I don't I don't believe that. 2nd Samuel 12 to let me set this story up so we all know it. David has sinned. David looked down on Bathsheba, took Bathsheba, um, had an affair with her. She became pregnant. He then even went further and had, his, had her husband killed in war and battle. Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, You know what? I want to tell you a story about a guy who had one sheep, and he really prized that sheep. A guy who had many, many sheep took that one sheep from him. David just gets really mad. I mean, he's the king. He's like, this is total injustice. Then he realizes that he's the one that did it. He took the one sheep, and he had many sheep. So Nathan gives him a direct word from God. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 7, it says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you as king over Israel, and I spared you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and put your master's wives into your care and under your protection and gave you the house, royal dynasty of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. That's how generous our God is. That's how He's saying, look, if you didn't think it was enough, all you had to do is ask me for more. You didn't have to covet Bathsheba. All you had to do is ask me for more. Now, I wouldn't suggest asking for more wives, but but, um, but you see what I'm saying? We don't have to covet our neighbor's house. We don't have to cover, covet our neighbor's things. We just need to ask God to provide and for His will to be done in our lives. Our God is a generous, generous God. So how do we take part in that generous, generosity and blessings? Just like we do to be saved. It says that we have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that we'll be saved. That's the same thing. No matter what the circumstances that you're looking at, no matter what they look like, no 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 matter how dire it looks, if we will look at scriptures, whatever our situation is, and say, no, that's a promise of God. And God says this in the Bible. And if God says that, and I'm a child of God, and I'm an heir to the kingdom, then I can claim that. I can believe that. And so we have to believe it in our heart, and then we have to confess it. We need to speak to the mountains of bills. <laughs> there's, sometimes there's mountains of bills. Anne takes. We go through the mail, and I kind of get the bills. and, uh, and so, well, She pays a lot of them. There's a lot of stuff that she takes care of. She takes care of all the accounting. But there are a handful of bills that get... And they'll they'll pile up on my desk and I'll, like, ignore them and stuff, you know. But obviously, we have to do our part. We have to pay our bills. But you can, if if you're struggling, you can talk, speak to those bills. And you say, Lord, you told me that you'd provide for me. So I speak to these bills. I ask you that you give me wisdom. You'll give me stewardship. You'll help me to know. But I ask you that you pay these bills. I speak to these bills and be, say, be paid. So... A promise of God, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, is kind of like a check. If I write out a check, and I write a check for $100, and I walk down here and I give it to Janice, take that $100. <laughs> so what's Janice have right now? Piece of paper. Okay, she has a piece of paper, but she understands and knows my integrity. So what do you have, Janice? I have $100. She has $100. But really, all she has is a piece of paper, right? But she knows my integrity. She knows my she knows I'm not going to write her a hundred dollar check and bounce it. I mean, what's my character? Well, God's character is the same. He's not going to give you a promise and say that I'll take care of you, Russ, and then say, oh, no, just kidding. not going to do it. You know, that check's not going to bounce. It's not going to bounce. So we have to look at God's promises like that. Yes, I may not actually have it. That bill still may be due, but can I believe that God says that he will provide for every need that I have? And if if I can believe that, then I confess that and say, you know what? I may not actually have that money in my bank account, but I know God's going to provide. So again, you have to kind of get your, your butt in the game. It's okay to say the truth. You don't need to be lying. If somebody says, how you doing? You know, it's not like, oh, I'm doing great. You know, and everything's falling apart around you. You could say, if they're a good enough friend, you could say, you know what? I am kind of struggling financially. But I do believe God's going to provide for every need. So I'm believing that that provision is going to come through. See the difference? There's a belief behind there. There's a belief there. So you can take God's promises to the bank. You really can. God is a good God. God is is, is a loving Father that wants to provide for you in every way. He wants you to be healthy in every way. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be provided for. He wants you to have good friends, good relationships. He wants you to be taken care of in everything. And so, why don't you guys stand with me? I never look at what time I started or how long I've been, but... I just want to... I want to pray for us because I want to... I know that sometimes these messages are hard because we've got so much bad religion over the years and we struggle with things. You know, Philippians 4.19 says, in an amplified version, it says, and my God will liberally supply. It means fill to full. That's what those words in Hebrew say, fill to full, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I know there are some of you right now saying, well, yeah. but..." just needs just just my just my bare needs just exact you know only what I need to eat today you know no liberally full liberally supply fill to full why because out of the abundance then we can give to every good work we can be a blessing to everybody around us so we need to be able to lay down that bad religion those bad thoughts we need to be able to, when we look at God's promises, no matter what it is, no matter if it's provision, healing, um, relationships, whatever it is, when you look at a promise of the Bible and God says that promise is for you, you need to be able to claim that and you need to be able to speak that over your life. And the most important thing is to just meditate on that. Meditate on Meditation is a word that's been used by the world and taken out of context, but it says in the Bible all the time that we're supposed to meditate on the word. That just means... Thinking about it all the time, repeating it. It's not. It's it's thinking about those verses, repeating them over in our head, putting them on the mirror and reading them. You got to read them to yourself every day. You know, and if that 30-day challenge, you probably for the first 20 days not really believe it. You know, you probably won't. If you do, I'm a I'm a royal priest. (laughs) Yeah right. I'm holy. Yeah right. I'm God's special possession. Probably for 20, 25 days, that'll probably be like yeah right. You know what? But at some point in time, that seed of faith is going to grow because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you'll continue, if you'll continue to repeat that and continue to speak that over your your life, your children, your husband, yourself, your relationships, your job, everything, speak those promises over there. God is going to grow that seed of faith. And you're going to believe it as you speak it and it's gonna come true. So I just wanna pray for us. Father, I just ask you right now that you'll help us lay down bad religion at your feet, that you will help us to realize that you are a good, good God, and that you wanna provide for us, that you wanna liberally supply all of our needs. You wanna fill them to the fullest. It says if we give, you'll give back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over until our barns can't even control it or can't even hold it. Father, we keep our focus on you, though, and the why. The why is so that we can show the world your glory, that we can glorify your name. Lord, that we can, when people come to us and say, man, why, why aren't you all stressed out because of what's happened economically, or why why do you have a smile on your face? We can say, because my God is supplying all of my needs, that my God loves me, and He wants to supply all your needs as well. He wants to take care of you. He wants to get you out of the mess that you got into. We've all got ourselves into messes, and a lot of times we think that Well, we got ourselves into that. We got to get ourselves out. God's not going to get us out of that. That was bad stewardship. You know what? That's not not a loving father either. That's not a loving father. Loving father says, yeah, let's not do that again. But a loving father wants to get you out of that. He wants you to speak to those mountain of bills. He wants you to speak to that mountain of debt and say, debt be gone in Jesus name. Be paid in Jesus name. Father, I ask you that you will do that in our lives today, that you will do that, that you will be true to your word, that you will liberally supply all of our needs, that, that as we speak to these mountains, that might even seem insurmountable, might even be things that we got ourselves into that were like, that was just not smart. But you know what? You're a loving Father. I just ask you, Lord, that you will work in our lives and that you will liberally supply all of our needs. You'll help us to lay bad religion at your feet, and that we'll pick up the fact that you are a good father and that you love us so much. I ask you, Lord, to do it now in the name and power of Jesus Christ. And I'll say amen. Amen. Let's worship for a little bit. Thank the Lord for our provision in our lives. Thank him for what he's teaching you, how he's speaking to you. Ask the Holy Spirit. If there's anything that you've picked up in, in your life that's been bad religion, it's not from God, but that uh, that uh, He wants to change that in your life, and just uh, just worship Him. If I can pray for you, let me know. We'll just worship Him, worship Him for a little bit.